Hello and welcome to the Profiles podcast presented by LL Flooring. I'm Tom Kreitler. And if you're a remodeler, a builder, an installer, a general contractor, this podcast is about helping you become more successful in your business by sharing tips and ideas and solutions. To do that, we seek out successful pros who are willing to come on the program and share their experiences for your benefit. It's our goal that with every episode, you'll pick up an idea or two that you can put to work to help you find some new customers, improve your business operation, maybe eliminate a friction point, and increase your profits. Now, we get that this is a business where we often work alone, but as the king or or the queen of the castle you've built, it's not always practical to share ideas and ask questions with those you compete against locally. But as a community of hands-on, home-improving and building pros, we've got a lot to share with each other, and that's what we want to feature on the Profiles podcast. So to that end, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to share an idea, ask a question, or suggest a topic, or maybe even a guest. We'd love to hear your tips for working with your customers, your suppliers, and for running your business. You can reach us by emailing profiles at llflooring.com. That's profiles at llflooring.com. Or by visiting the LL Flooring Pro portal at llflooring.com slash pro. Now, let's get to work. My guest today is a third-generation remodeling contractor who found his way to a successful remodeling business after spending a decade as a professional speaker and producer of religious programming. Lance O'Dell is based in Austin, Texas, and his work includes installation services for LL Flooring customers, along with a wide range of remodeling and restoration work. Lance, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. So, Lance, you are a remodeler. You're a builder, you do restoration work, and you've specialized as a as part of LL Flooring's installation team in installing flooring for folks that uh, don't want to do it themselves. But before all that, you spent a decade working in the Houston area in a megachurch as a pastor and also as a producer of media and programming. What an interesting background you have, sir. You went from pastor to pro-remodeler in the course of a decade. How did that happen? Yeah, so, you know, the contracting side has always been a part of my life, always kind of done word of mouth, you know, contracting jobs for people, kind of always had. I've just kind of always been connected to the industry. And at the same time, you know, working for a church, learning a lot about producing good quality content and communicating messages to people that you want them to hear and understand, translating that into a business, I think it's helped a lot to making our business appealing and also providing great service. The churches in the Texas area, the mega churches, are unbelievable. I mean, if you've never seen these kinds of productions, it's Broadway quality. <laughs> it's a lot different than what you find in small towns across America. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal. So that actually gave you a lot of experience into the media side, the speaking side, the communications side. So did you use that knowledge to help promote and build this business? I think so. You know that because I have an eye for getting to catch people's attention. And I think that I've really translated that a lot into our business in making us appealing to customers, maybe trying to set us a cut above other people and their, what they're doing as far as marketing. So you come actually from a three-generation family of contractors, is that right? Yeah, that's right. My grandfather used to install floors when it was a union job. Huh. He raised you know, his family back in Los Angeles, 
And uh, you know, at one point, I believe he said he was making about $150 a week. So if you can imagine that. That was a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, well, it was enough, you know, and they made it. But yeah, he's been doing floors for over 40 years. My father got into the business and uh, has been installing floors and still works in the industry himself to this day. So it kind of was only natural. I followed in the footsteps. That's funny. You know, I actually got to my early pro experience by following my dad onto jobs where he was installing products. Uh, he was actually building libraries at the time, and we used to install library shelvings. And it was like, for me, it was like a kid. It was like a big erector set, you know? So I got a, had a lot of enjoyment sure. out of those years with my dad. And I, I bet as a multi-generational contractor family, uh, flooring was the topic at the dinner table. So what did you learn from your dad and from your grandfather? So it's kind of an interesting question, but it's pretty simple. I mean, I think in general, I just learned a lot about doing the project the right way, you know, not cutting corners and that your reputation in this industry is pretty much all that really matters. So the key, best way to keep business up is to always do a good job. Probably what I took away the most. So, so much of what we do today, you know, back in the day, it used to be word of mouth. It used to be yellow pages. Now it's all driven by social media and those types of, of digital connections. I saw that you guys have built a very handsome Facebook page. Can you tell me about your social media work and, and how that has helped your business? I took actually a page out of another company's method for marketing uh, about a couple of years ago in that they had decided rather than hiring a marketing person that that portion of that person's salary or their budget, they would actually put solely into just social media um, and advertising on social media. Now, we didn't have the biggest budget at the time uh, when we started doing it, but I think I believed and understood the concept that social media was that powerful. Does that make sense? So if somebody would actually realize that this used to be a physical person and now it's actually just dollars you could put into social media, then the whole concept to me was, was, was really eye-opening. And so that's kind of the path that we follow in social media is understanding that if you're going to put dollars out there for marketing, that probably the easiest, most simple place to do it is going to be in your social media. Yeah, because you can suggest, you can select your audience for that. So you could select groups of, of uh, audience that are most likely to be, end up being your customers. And you can create content that basically is aimed at that. So as long as you could create that content in-house and you're paying attention to the content, you're paying attention to the conversions and how many folks are, are clicking on that and ultimately real, uh, ending up hiring you. And if those numbers work exactly. out, then sure, why yeah, and not? it doesn't. It's not super expensive either. You know, you can start with you know pretty much any budget and see results. And so from there, I think we can learn a lot about what's working and what's not working, and what kind of content is appealing and what isn't. You know, et cetera. So let's talk about the different aspects of your business, starting with the work that you do for LL Flooring. Talk to me about how that works. So a customer comes into a store. And LL has a group of professionals that they can recommend or refer to these customers. Do you have to uh, go meet with those customers or is it pretty much just show up and install the product? Yeah, so we go out and do the measurement request. We turn it into LL flooring. LL is going to work out the deal with the client. And once that turns into a sale, they're going to turn it back to us. And then that's the point when we come into the home and we actually perform the installation. So you get to see a lot of the before and after situations at these homes, what is it that customers want to change? What, if you had a common denominator to select, what, what are they facing when they're ordering this new flooring? What kinds of, what are the reasons for the transformation? What's frustrating them about their current space? Yeah, it usually, 
ends up with what I've seen is maybe just trends, you know? So recently it's like open concept seems to be a really big trend, at least in our markets that we work in. People want to see, you know, one floor wall to wall, you know, or they want it to be a big open space and it's the carpet touching the tile, touching the this, touching the that. That's just too busy. What we've seen is people are looking for more of that just big open concept. So they really just want to transform away from the feeling, feeling cluttered, feeling enclosed, feeling a bit claustrophobic into something that is going to be bright and airy and, and spacious. Is that about right? That's what, yeah, that's what we're seeing. And what types of products are they selecting for, for these projects? Is there uh, some that are more popular than others? We see a lot and work a lot with LBTs. I mean, you'd be surprised, you know, the amount of luxury vinyl that we're putting in people's homes now. I mean, million-dollar homes you know, all the time, every day. You know, the word vinyl has such a negative connotation for those of us that grew up with sheet vinyl products just everywhere. And vinyl today, these luxury vinyl planks are just amazing. Their ability to take a design from one of hundreds of different species of wood or patterns, even tile or marble, or just this incredible array of selections of materials, natural materials, that now can be transferred into vinyl. And when you're standing back and looking at it, not only does it look exactly like the real thing, it actually, in some cases, wears better than the real thing, especially with the wood products. I mean, think of a soft, distressed, like, pine floor, right? I mean, that in my house growing up, that wouldn't last a week. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the vinyl today, the vinyl plank, just is so indestructible, especially for, for homes that have a lot of traffic, kids and pets and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole water-resistant property, I think, of vinyl is what's very appealing to people. You know, we see people even building new homes that instead of choosing to put tile in wet areas, uh, now vinyl is an option. Right. You know, because it, it's considered, a, you know, a water-resistant product. So I think that's super appealing to people, easy to put down. And um, you know, as far as quality, I mean, there's just really nothing out like it. It just keeps getting better and better. So... When you guys get started in this, I, I think it was uh, what about ten years ago when you officially kicked off your construction business and, and stepped away from the work that you were doing with the mega churches. Uh, how did you market yourself? How is that? How is that? And how has that evolved over the years? Yeah, it's kind of always been in my back pocket, I guess you could say, through word of mouth referral and advertising. But you know, it was actually the relationship that I had with some folks working with LL Flooring in the past. And uh, just kind of bridged that connection, got together, started doing some installations for one of their um, newer stores, and I guess the rest is history. So aside from the LL Flooring installations, I mean, this isn't all you do. Did you originally think, well, this would be a good job to, to sort of fill in the gaps of some of the other projects that you were doing, but then it almost took over? Right. Yeah, I, I guess that's a, a good way to explain it, you know. So, of course, you know, as many pros would understand, a lot of times when you, you focus in one area, you go into a customer's home, they're usually asking you about other projects in the home. You know, you get questions right. like, do you paint? You know, can you do this? Can you do that? And it was kind of a natural progression as we sort of evolved from, you know, just strictly kind of working into flooring into also dabbling into you know, tile, which then works into showers, which works into, you know what I'm saying? And so it just it works yeah. into painting and it keeps, it keeps working, kind of trickling down. And so you almost, like I was saying earlier, you almost kind of have to adapt. You almost kind of have to evolve. And I would say that's been a huge factor for us is being able to figure out how to translate and carry doing a project right for a customer into other areas as you, as you expand and grow. 
That's really interesting because it seems that in many ways doing the flooring installations for LL Flooring has seeded a lot more remodeling work because as customers ask you about these projects, I mean, they're already happy to have you in their homes. Perhaps they've uh, already just seen you complete a, a great installation and uh, loved your workmanship. And now they don't want to let you go. So your choice is to walk away from that job, right, or figure out how to get it done. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's so interesting. And, I, of course, that's, every, that's everybody's maybe measure of success, especially as a, as a, as a contractor or a remodeler. Someone in this industry is, you know, is that callback customer. Right. You know, that person knowing, hey, I got a guy. You know, that's the kind of right. goal. For yeah. Us, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It becomes like it's like a bragging point. Wait, use my guy. My guy's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's the end way. OK, well, that's that's pretty awesome. Now, you mentioned bathrooms. So is that a primary area of remodeling that you're doing now or are you also doing uh, big remodeling projects? Are you doing additions? Or are you doing other types of renovations, kitchens, whatever? Yeah, mainly it's probably bathrooms, and we call them putbacks here. But they, you know, somebody wants to do all new paint, all new base, doors, you know, all, all of that sort of thing. Just kind of getting a whole new, freshen up in the whole house, the cabinets, the mm-hmm. granite, you know, new taps, all of that stuff. Like a facelift, sort of. There you go. Yeah, facelift. You know, bathroom remodeling is an interesting uh, area to specialize in because you know people think, well, baths are small. How hard can it be? It's actually really hard. I mean, if you think about all of the different trades that have to be involved in that and all the different steps from the rip out to the carpentry to the flooring work to the plumbing work to installing the fixtures, there's an awful lot of steps in a really small space. And that makes organizing that project and all the pros that work on it an important part of your success. So how do you achieve that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, you know, I agree with you 100%. In fact, I've done whole homes that weren't nearly as complicated as you know, a, a primary bathroom in somebody's house. You know, right. it, 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 there's yeah. so many moving parts, so many trades, so much organizing and planning. And I think that's really just what it comes down to. It really comes down to thinking ahead, trying to foresee things and solve problems, or at least have solutions before the problem even arises. That's kind of mm-hmm. a, a really a thing to think through. You know, if this was to happen, what would we do? And, right. you know, sometimes it doesn't go that way. And maybe you just overplanned a little bit. So, you know, that's probably my answer. And, and my advice to anybody out there is just overplan and um, come up with solutions before you before you see problems. Yeah, expect the unexpected, right? That's right. That's you right. Maybe promised a delivery date, for example, on on fixtures for a new bath uh, in a house where it's the only bath, so the pressure is on, you know, <laughs> right. to get it to get it finished, and they don't show up on time, and now you got a problem, right? So. Maybe sure. next time you start ordering that stuff a lot earlier because maybe if the suppliers beyond the supplier's control, it just didn't it just didn't arrive and, and everybody is stuck waiting for it. Sure. Well there's always, you know, the, the famous customer change their mind, you know, uh, you know, common problem oh, of course. too. Hey, speaking of that, change orders, that's a area of communi- of miscommunication often uh, with customers. How do you uh, how do you manage that so that there's no surprises for you or the customer when it comes time to do the final invoice? It has to start from the get go. It really does come with setting expectations. You know, when you send out your estimate in my from the estimate, I have a little note on the bottom that says changes are subject to change orders, customers responsible for, you know, yada yada yada, that sort of deal. And and just right. making sure that that's understood from the get go, from the start, that if there's a change, we're, there's going to be another conversation, and it's going to involve money. You know. Yeah, and then do you document whether it's a it's a it's a credit or an additional charge based on what the change what change they asked for? Correct. 
yeah, we'll basically just get something in writing, even if it's just like in an email or a text message, just to make sure we're on the same page, knowing, hey, this is this is going to be the change. So we know you do flooring installations. We know you do uh, some remodeling. I want to ask you about a project that I understand that you were involved in that is uh, is pretty interesting, and it involves a high-rise building in downtown Austin. Uh, it's called the Jenga Tower because it looks a lot like Jenga, and there was a major water break there that happened, uh, I think it was just last year, last February, and this is the tallest building west of the Mississippi, 685 feet tall, only, uh, you know, five years old, built in 2016. And the water main breaks and the video was astounding. The water was literally pouring through the Jenga blocks, many, many stories down to grade, like a, like a waterfall feature that was not intended. <laughs> it would have been beautiful if it was, but it certainly wasn't intended. And you guys uh, got involved in a lot of that restoration work. So tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, it was a it was a real disaster. And you know, something also to point out about that building was it had just recently been finished, and people had just recently. Oh, began so it started in, in 2016, but it was the people weren't in there all that long, huh? Right, right. I mean, it was barely people just kind of you know getting settled in. A beautiful, beautiful property. I mean, it's it's a really a, a killer, killer place. I mean, state of the art. This is really awesome. So uh, a big builder in town, you know, had reached out to us. They had uh, gotten some of the contract to put a lot of those units back. And it was like I was saying earlier, it's like that facelift. But now it's it's an emergency type of situation because people are displaced out of their homes. So, yeah, it was really neat to be involved in that. You know, working in those disaster situations is so different than other types of uh, remodeling and restoration repair work you may do because people wanted people want to put back the way it was immediately. And there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of emotion involved with just working with the customers. And then on the business side, you know, you've got supply challenges because who knew you were going to need all of this product, right, for all these units uh, all at once. And there was a lot to work through, I imagine. Yeah. So one of those such big challenges, you know, was it was right in smack dab in the middle of COVID. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, on top of that. Yeah. I mean, it's this is oh, man. You know, the state is being shut down. You know, there's things are literally changing by the minute daily for businesses and who can operate and who's considered essential and all these other things. And so it, it posed some serious challenges. But again, uh, you know, being able to adapt, being able to be flexible, seeing through those things, because at the end of the day, people need to get back into their homes. And, you know, we have a business to run here. It was it was pretty interesting, the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. So these folks also were, this all happened just about the time people were being told to stay home. And they couldn't That's stay right. home because their homes were flooded. Wow. That really added a lot of stress to it. So where are we at with that project now? Are you done with it? Is it still ongoing? Yeah, so we ended up working in about 20 different units. We did about uh, maybe 10 different floors or so of, of some different flooring products. Um, they was also working in tandem with painters and different people and getting things all together. And everybody was kind of hands on deck there for, for several months. But I believe that, you know, the builder managed it really well. People's expectations were probably overly met in a lot of ways. And so um, people are getting back in their homes and um, I think they're rounding a really good corner right now of finishing up. So if you've, as you've evolved this business um, over the last you know 10 or so years, what are some of the biggest challenges that you feel like you've needed to overcome? And that's a hard question. So, you know, one of the biggest things is, I would have to say, is expanding, growing. You know, a lot of times we plan for success, right? We want to be successful. We want more work. But when it actually comes, you know, how do you translate the culture you've built 
of doing things the right way or doing things a certain way and translating that into um, other areas or into different markets where you don't necessarily have as much control. And I think that a big part of that is maybe just kind of leaning on leadership, leaning on the wisdom and um, advice of other contractors, which is one reason why I'm really excited about this podcast and appreciative of what you guys are doing right now. Because through this, you, you have to lean on others. You have to lean on others to be able to, to see things and to hear things and, and to maybe also understand that other people are experiencing what you're experiencing and, and how do we how do we grow in those areas um, and maybe not always just be seen as competitors, it can be seen as companions too. That's a great line. Yeah, because I think that sometimes when you are in your own personal business, in your space, in a particular market or a set of markets, you're kind of tight-lipped. I mean, it, the construction industry has always been this way. I remember reading about 100 years ago, if you were the guy that knew how to hand-cut the roof rafters, man, you didn't tell anybody how to do that because that was your job, right? <laughs> you shared that tip on how to do that. I mean, you were out of work. You would hire somebody younger and cheaper and get it done faster. So those were closely held trade secrets. And I think that sort of is uh, pervasive in the industry and, and understandably so. And there's some good reason behind that. But at the same time, there's a lot we can learn from each other. And that's why we were you know, hoping in this program that we could uh, expand those local boundaries and, and kick it out to the entire community for that kind of advice. So uh, what's an example of something that maybe you wouldn't have thought about had you not heard it from one of these experienced pros that you were lucky enough to connect with? Yeah, so just some advice. I, I had a, an older businessman that had, he kind of he kind of took me under his wing, and he's opened and sold other businesses and, you know, kind of dabbled in a lot of different areas of, of just entrepreneurship, you could say. And so something he had taught me was a lot of times we deal with daily stresses, of course, right? You know, this didn't go right today, and I've got this going on, and this person's waiting for a call. There's just there's so many different things that are so common to contractors and remodelers and just building professionals in general. Um, and some advice he gave me was, as far as being a young man, getting stressed out, having a family, and taking that kind of stuff home, he had just advised me, listen, if it's a problem that can be solved with money, it's probably not a problem. And, and I guess what he means is not that we're all made of money, but that maybe if it's something that we can be worked on, something that maybe it can be discounted, maybe it's something that can be you know, reimbursed, something like that, it's probably not worth you know, that level of stress and anxiety and that sort of thing that we take on on ourselves because ultimately it can be fixed. And as you know, as you grow in this profession, there's other problems that you have that are a lot bigger than money. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The way you define a problem changes. <laughs> just, right. just ask That's anybody right. that had their house flooded during COVID in the tower and, and had no place to go back to, right? <laughs> yes, exactly right. See? Well, it sounds like you've uh, taken that advice to, to heart. And I, and I think it, kind of another way to say that is just keep everything in the right perspective, right? Keep a proper balanced sure. perspective on on not only the work, but also your home life and everything that happens uh, in between. It sounds like you've done that successfully. You've got, uh, I understand, a half dozen full-time employees now. You've got uh, vehicles. You've got jobs going on all over the area from Amarillo down to Baton Rouge. That transformation of, of growing and adding uh, is not always a smooth one. How have you been able to navigate that? One day at a time. You know, I mean, that's the best that's the best way to look at it is little by little, right? And um, sometimes you grow fast and sometimes you grow slow. But you know what? We're always growing. And so, like I said, making sure that we're planning, we're setting expectations, and we're, and we're trying to do, do it right, do the best job we can you know, one day at a time. 
We're talking to Lance O'Dell. He is the president of Wright Flooring Services based out of Austin, Texas. Hey, I heard about another job that you did, Lance, I want to ask you about. I understand that you actually did a home for a client whose father was a contractor. And not only that, he built a home for Elvis Presley. So, man, I bet your client had some stories about that and also set some really high standards for you to live up to. Man, that's one way to put it. You know, um, I mean, you're talking about they're, they're a husband and wife team, builder, contractor, you know, couple, and they've been in the industry over 40 years building custom homes uh, all over the world. In fact, she had um, quite a few homes going on at the time when we were doing her personal house here in Austin, in Hawaii. And um, she was telling me, you know, I, I'm thinking, man, I had a really bad day one day. And she comes in, and she's a little upset, and we're, we're talking. And I said, what happened? She's like, oh, we just had a container show up, and got all my cabinets, you know, in, in Hawaii. And uh, open up the cabinets, seawater, seawater all the way filled to the top. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm thinking, I got problems, wow. right? And this is yeah, stuff right? she's dealing with daily. So, yeah, ho- hopefully that worked out for them. Well, I think it's a testimony to the quality of your work and your business when you have a, a professional builder uh, with plenty of projects on their own hire you for their pe- personal house. So I, I think that uh, you deserve uh, giving yourself a pat on the back for that one. Hey, let me ask you a final question, uh, and, and that is uh, that when you started the business, what did you wish you knew? What's the one thing I wish I knew back then that has helped me get to where I am today? That's an interesting question. I guess an, an older me would have told a younger me it's all going to work out. You know, it's, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay because, you know, sometimes this, the pace of life and the pace of your, your business and growing your business in tandem with just the world around you. You know, a lot of us are fathers and mothers and, and you know, homemakers and, home, and, home, and, and, and also living a life, you know. I mean, you've got a, a meeting with a client, and then you got to head to t-ball practice. You know, I mean, it's it, it's how it is, right? I mean, we're we're running in both lanes at the same time, and um, I, I wish I had maybe just known it's all going to work out, it's all going to be okay, and uh, maybe lived a little bit closer and worried a little bit less. Well, it sounds like it all has worked out, and will continue to do so. Lance Odell, thank you so much for sharing your experience on the Profiles podcast. Appreciate it. It's been awesome.